0: Welcome back to the Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar,
1: and I'm Tom Knezek, and welcome to episode uh, 183. A little yeah. out of order here. It's, you know, should we do some follow up on that, Fran? Uh, may, or? <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm. It's it's weird. Like this is the first time that we, like, we're not in the time loop. Like this episode yeah. is going oh, yeah. to air this week.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And this should have been last week. But I had COVID.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah. I wasn't in the office all last week. And we um, we
1: talked about should we do a Zoom episode where we can pull this off and just had a lot of stuff going on. We had an episode in the bank, so it said let's do yeah, the Paul yeah. Paul went a little early. And-, and I didn't
0: I didn't sound yeah. great. Like I could have yeah. done it, but it it would have been I wasn't feeling my best. It it yeah. would have been sloppy. Yeah. So we had a great episode with, with Adam D'Angelo that we were excited. That we had, so we we put that out, and then we're going to do two buzz episodes in mm-hmm. a row to kind of get us back on track. And yeah. I think no more, no more time space continuum for the rest of the year. We have all of our guests scheduled yes, on the yep. week that it's going to go out, so uh, we're good at least till January before it starts getting crazy again. Yeah, I think. definitely. So, uh, yeah, it's just weird to be back like on a normal schedule. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really feels like we haven't done this, and we haven't recorded in two weeks. Like over two weeks,
1: yeah, and I guess you're right. It does feel a little strange um, yeah. hopping back in here. But before we get into all that, uh, that good native plant talk, we do have a couple things to follow up we on do. that also tend to be native plant related. So first thing first, friend. Did uh, last time we did a buzz episode, we gave yes. away these copies of of uh, Camille Dungy's book Soil, which yes. are still sitting right here in front of me. Yes, which is a pretty good indicator that.
0: We got we got
1: contacted about winners.
0: Yeah, there there's two copies sitting there because one is my original copy that I, I gave to you. Yes. Okay. Um, the other one is the signed copy. So we did mail one out, Betsy Howland, uh, who was the winner that we we did in the secret. She was the second winner. Okay. Yeah. So uh she contacted us and she sent us a screen to prove it was her, she sent a screenshot of her view of her review. Okay, so you could see it was like her writing it. Yeah. Um. So we we're able to prove that, and we we mailed the book out, and we we're I couldn't believe we got a winner that contacted us within three days. Yeah. Uh. But the other winner did not contact us, which means. And do
1: you remember what that winner was? I don't. I. You know. I think I might
0: have it. I had written see. it down at some point. Oh, that's it was. Right. Um,
1: a, I oh, don't remember. That, that didn't do it. Uh. Oh wait. No, I don't think this is it. I, I would, think I, I must. I somehow I deleted the results, right. and then I started, started spinning again just for we, fun. We have it so.
0: documented, but it's I, I can't remember if I heard it. But it's I would too late know. for them anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's too whatever. late. <laughs> so do you want to do you want to save the save it for the secret? Yeah, let's again? do it at the end. We'll we'll spin the wheel again. Yeah. So if if you've should written, I give it a
1: test spin just to see what happens? Should I? Eh? No, nah, do that. don't do it. Don't do yeah.
0: it. But. Uh, for, for those of you that had already entered, you're you're entered again, and we're going to spin it, and we're going to pick another winner. So we still have one copy of the book to, to give away, and, and we're going to do that. So I see you have some things I on did, the follow-up yeah, that I don't know yeah. anything about, so um, I'm,
1: I'm interested. So I was uh, – sometime in the last week, I remember I woke up in the morning, and I was perusing Facebook, and, um, and I'd recently joined – the, the it's like a Facebook that's like a Paw Paw fan club. Yeah, Santino actually referred yeah. it because he posted something about it, and I was like, "Oh, I, I'm for, not a member of this, for, so I joined it."
0: For some reason, I didn't join it. I just yeah.
1: realized I, I'll have to join it. And um, in there, someone put up like a very poorly worded message about Paw and had a picture of uh of a Paw cider. Oh, and they. How it was worded, it sounded like he was selling the pawpaw ciders, but he wasn't selling the pawpaw ciders. But he wasn't, like, saying, oh, I'm selling pawpaw cider and I made this. It wasn't like that. It was, he just had, like, a really, like, very cryptic message there that when you read it implied to, that he was selling something related with pawpaws that, because of the picture, it seemed seemed like it was the pawpaw cider. And uh, so I looked it up. To say, oh, this sounds good. I want to see if it's something I can get my hands on, and um, and it was uh, created by Ash and Elm, which is a oh. a cidery in Indiana. Okay, um, which I think is a great name too. So after looking at like that where you could find name. it around them or around me, which is not not possible in New Jersey, I actually wrote to them and said, hey, anyone I can get this and. And maybe send me some, and I'll give oh. you some free shouts out, shout, outs, shout yeah. outs on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, and they wrote and said, "Oh, yeah, it's a uh, we sold out like the day it released. Wow! So you know you can't get any, um, but thank you for writing in. And I was like, I'll give you a free shout out anyways. So,
0: I have an idea yeah. for you now that you're saying it. So like a mile or two for me, there's a I I don't know like a cider mill in Meadery, mm-hmm. and meatery. That's all they do. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if we were to supply them with pawpaw hmm. under the conditions that we get some pawpaw yeah. cider and they give us the seed back. Let them process yeah, it, yeah, use yeah. it. It's we get the seed idea, back. You want yeah. me to want me to ask them for next yeah, year? That
1: could be an idea. All right. Now, um, I will I will add this too that uh, so the Ashen Elm Cider Co. actually had some really other good sounding flavors mm-hmm. and like and you can get them shipped. Oh, uh, okay, wherever. So I was, but I. I was like, well, I really only wanted the pawpaw one, but these other ones are really drawn me in. So I didn't order them, but I considered it. And um, and then the owner of the cider co mm-hmm. actually went in that pawpaw group later, and because apparently a lot of people must have been uh, looking for this, yeah. and said we don't know why the person put up that picture and like included us in it, but he has <laughs> nothing to do with us, and we're already sold out. So basically, stop asking about it. Stay tuned for next year. <laughs> but uh,
0: yeah. All right. All right, yeah. you, listen. You had to stop down to the side cider mill by my house, like because they do blueberry, blueberry, they do mm-hmm. uh, cranberry, yeah. they do a lot yeah, of yeah. Jersey staples, and uh, they also do black currant, yeah. like a uh, black currant meat, which yeah. is really that good. Sounds
1: good. I'm big. I, I like cider a lot. I guess I really, I always kind of liked it. And then um, there's in upstate New York, there's the Mackenzies cider, oh, yeah. Yeah. and I really like those and then uh then in europe it was like it's like a big thing and yep. this is why i really like started to like cider in europe a little bit more is we were in london and they served their cider cold <laughs> and it was like a heat wave and oh. for which for london was like 86 87 but it was so hot and the the air conditioning in our hotel room didn't work and um, so you go to the the pub and go to get a, a beer and you It's warm, (laughs) and the cider was cold, so I started drinking a lot of cider. I'm like, "This is actually really, really good." So,
0: there's, I'll, I'll give a shout out. the The place by me is called Armageddon Brewing in Somerdale, and if you're in that area, stop by. It's actually right across the street from Flying Fish Brewery, so you could make a a, a trip of it. Although Armageddon is in like a little old, like really old, um, like industrial strip. Mm-hmm. That almost looks abandoned. Don't let it discourage you. Once you go in, it's a little oasis, and it's. I turned Christian onto it, who oh, was nice. our producer from yeah from a Native Plant Every Day, and she she just stopped there last week. Cool, actually, cool. So
1: then uh, then the other thing I had on there was something I was coming across. Um, my wife is really hard to shop for, and it was her birthday. Uh, well, yesterday was it yesterday? Yeah, Happy so birthday. Wednesday. This is there and Friday, so two days ago at this point. And um, so yeah, I was just looking at stuff and somehow stumbled across this like milkweed perfume, oh, okay. uh, which I did not get her for a birthday. But I was like, that's <laughs> kind of cool that they're making perfume out of that is pretty out cool. of milkweed now. And it was like it wasn't actually just perfume; it was um, they made soaps and candles really? and all kinds of, and they had other scents as well. But milkweed yeah. was a fl- uh, scent, and that was from the uh, ADK Fragrance Farm, which I'm assuming is Adirondack Fragrance Farm.
0: Oh, I'm gonna so, have to check yeah. that out. That actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah, oh yeah. You interested? In what milkweed perfume smells like?
1: Well, I milkweed smells great, so I'm yeah. it, I'm hoping it smells like milkweed. So, I would, yeah. I'm yeah, just like pure, common like, milkweed like, in particular. I I find to be like have a really really uh, pleasant aroma. It's like yeah. it's it's very it's somewhat mild, um, but it's and it's not like it's an overpowering smell. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But it's just like. Slightly floral, kind of herbaceous, and just like really nice. So.
0: I'm I'm curious now. I'm gonna to have to check that out. Yeah. Like um I wanna see. I wanna smell it.
1: Oh yeah, but, maybe I should I should have written to them and said, Can I get a free sample and talk? I will describe the scent in very eloquently. It smells nice is my description. Maybe maybe they'd be willing yeah. to uh give us a bottle or two. That
0: we can give away to our listeners.
1: Mm, that's an that's an interesting idea to help
0: promote the uh, their line and uh, and then we can smell what it smells
1: like. Yeah, cool. So yeah, so that was uh, the stuff I had to follow up on. Awesome. Oh, the other thing I'll do is is say I went to a New Jersey CWRP meeting, um, which we had on Russ Finari quite a while ago. Now that was a long time. Ago. Um, and that's the so New Jersey Corporate Wet, Corporate Wetland Restoration Partnership. And they actually just celebrated their 20th anniversary, so they've been doing wow. that for 20 years now, and uh, which is really remarkable. And they are the only chapter actually left in the in New Jersey, really? and they're thriving. So it's it's one of those things where I'm surprised that in other states it wasn't able to thrive, yeah. but it kind of highlights how well uh, some of these these, in some cases, giant corporations can really care about. Uh, they care about the wetlands in New Jersey, yeah. I, maybe not in other states, but <laughs> New Jersey. They should, sure but no, it's a, They do a lot of stuff, and you get some giant corporations that kind of come to the table and and give out money to these really deserving projects all over the state uh, to preserve yeah. and, and re- rehabilitate and restore wetlands.
0: There's there's fantastic people involved in that organization, and it just and even though some of the people are retiring, they're getting to an age where they're retiring. It just seems like it keeps getting larger and larger. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. They've they've pull, pulled together such important people that they're able to get good work done
1: because of it,
0: mm-hmm. which is yeah. which is exciting to see.
1: Yeah, so that's uh that's all we have for follow up. So all right, cool. That's not too bad. Yeah, let's get into the the meat of the discussion today, which is going to be, well, the start of the meat, which <laughs> is is man, I'm off to a good start. Is the, the plants reviving with this week? Let's get into that's hot. Hot. wow that was a little loud i
0: turned that that was came in hot on that one um i'm gonna go first if you're okay with it yeah go ahead my only concern is i picked this because we were going to do it last week and i think they've already dropped all their leaves at this point they're not as hot any they're a little past hot but i had chosen fragrant sumac which is rus aromatica i'm not sure if we've ever done this plant on on the yeah, buzz before know. but i took the information uh for this from a native plant every day uh, our our other podcast. So, uh, rus aromatica can range anywhere from two to eight foot. It is an upland plant, and it's made it native throughout most of the continental U.S. I think it's it's not native in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, brilliant orange to red or purplish red fall color uh, that was pretty hot. I think it's now defoliated. Plant spreads by root suckers to suckers to form thickets in the wild. Can tolerate sun, part shade to shade. Lives twenty to fifty years. It is a late successional species that attracts butterflies and beads. Uh, it provides nesting material and structure for native bees. Berries persist into the winter, attracting many birds, including robins, sparrows, goldfinches, and chickadees. Game birds and squirrels also eat the seeds. Rabbit and deer browse the leaves. It's pollinated primarily by bees. And the fragrant sumac is a totally non-poisonous plant. And it's the host plant for the red bandit hairstreak butterfly.
1: Cool. That's a
0: mouthful. Man, we oh, yeah. get a lot of good information in those Native Plant Every Day episodes. Yeah, we episode. sure did. And we, we're doing it – we're back for season three, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. We, it, probably – It's sneaking up on us.
0: But. I know Christiane has started writing uh, episodes or, or gathering the information for episodes. Typically, we start recording hopefully in January mm-hmm. or, yeah. or even next month if, if time allows. Yeah. Who knows?
1: It, all, it is all – We uh, seem like we're busier than time ever. Time-dependent. Yeah. So. Hey,
0: for – I'm just thinking of something. I know you're going to give yeah. your plant afterwards for follow up. Did we want to talk about our trip to Chicago?
1: Oh, yeah. We were going to do that, weren't we? Why
0: don't you do your plant? I'm okay. writing it down. Yeah. And then uh, we can we can
1: follow up yeah, a little that's bit a good with point. that. I forgot about that. Uh, that was so long ago now that <laughs> it feels like it's been at least two weeks. <laughs> How long did we? We went a I month think it was ago. Three weeks, we, yeah. we went a month ago. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, it, like it? was a the, month ago. The 15th. Like, uh, yeah, like a, I think it was the 16th through the 19th. So, almost almost a month ago yeah. now. So, um, anyway, my plant is uh, is going to be Giant Goldenrod, which is oh, uh, nice. Solidago Gigantea. Um, not that it's particularly hot right now. It's just the plant that, uh, I guess I'd heard of it for a long time, but I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know how to discern it or anything like that. And uh, my brother actually just figured out uh, how to identify it. Okay. And then... Where he was, um, he came back to our farm. He's like, I have a feeling I know exactly where to find this on our farm. Yeah. He's like, I'm pretty sure I've seen this before. And he went there and found it right away. Oh, and that's awesome. Brought me out and showed me. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, it's a relatively common plant, but it's not all that common in the nursery trade. Yeah. Um, which I guess is why I'm not really familiar with it. But Weesh. yeah, it was just a, uh, we see Kinda that cool. a lot
0: with, with certain fall asters and things yeah. like that where oh, yeah. you see them all over, but we never see them on restoration
1: projects or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yep. yep. That's awesome.
0: That's a that's a great plant. I've been so. hearing really good a really good buzz about that plant and some really good things. So. Yeah.
1: So, and uh, the little write-up from the uh, wildflower.org says that giant goldenrod is a smooth stemmed goldenrod with arching flower stalks bearing flower heads of uh, one quarter of an inch long. And uh, it's perennial, gets up to about six feet tall. Green leaves, yellow, flowers. Um, really, honestly, where I saw it, it was mixed in with a bunch of Canada goldenrod, and from a distance, you wouldn't know that there was different ones there. Oh. Um, but, and what my brother showed me is that the Canada goldenrod has more of, like, a pubescent stem. Okay. Not, like, not crazy. It's just, yeah. like, a little bit fuzzy where the giant goldenrod is definitely smooth, okay. and the giant goldenrod had, like, a redder stem All right than the Canada did. Um, yeah, I'm not good with my goldenrod. Yeah. Golden rod yeah. ID. And these like literally if you were looking at the stand from ten feet and five feet back, you wouldn't from untrained eye yeah. would not pick out a difference. Wow. Um okay. it's when you got in there and I'm like, Oh, I see this all over the place. I just didn't realize that this was different. Gotcha. Um but I did because I, I have noticed there's ones with red stems Yeah. But uh I don't know. I just I just assumed it was like a phenotypic difference. Yeah. So, but it's, it's a great
0: it's a great performer.
1: Yeah, you know, which I think actually brings up like a, a, con- the concept of plant blindness and how like how many things you walk by. There's so many things that I've featured on a that's hot where it was just like I've walked by it a thousand times. I see it all over the place, but until I really like focused on it or like something stuck out to me about it, then I notice it everywhere. Yeah. And and it may only before, be I a, had never noticed it before.
0: It may only be a certain yeah. season or or like yeah. a, a couple weeks span that. That that catches your eye. Pretty awesome. Yeah, that was one
1: with beach. I think I said, like, I don't see a lot of beaches around here. And then I started seeing young beaches. I didn't see many old beaches, but young beaches. I started seeing them everywhere. I uh, mean,
0: I know the bark is always easy to stand out, but especially in the wintertime when everything's defoliated and those yellow Mm. leaves are kind of sticking on, you're like, oh, there they are. There they are. There they are. But two great choices uh, with uh, Fragrant Sumac and and uh, Giant Goldenrod. Giant Goldenrod? Giant Goldenrod. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know them, know them. And I think either of them would be great additions to your garden. But before we do – before we get to this or that, let's go back to our trip to Chicago.
1: You cool with that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I already said I was. Okay. All right. I thought well, – I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for you to lead now, in.
0: No, so yeah. we uh, – you had gone through. I don't know if you've ever talked about this, the Eagle Program on on the podcast. Have you ever talked about it before?
1: I don't. I don't recall. But basically, so, it's uh, the Executive Academy for Growth and Leadership, which is a very um, nondescriptive title. It is descriptive yeah. for what it is, but it's very horticulturally focused. You yeah. wouldn't get that from the name of it. But um, it's put on by a guy, uh, Dr. Charlie Hall, and uh, a woman, Kelly O'Reilly. Is Corey part of – Corey? And then Corey – yeah, yeah, Corey works with Kelly and –
0: So for any old-time nursery folks that may listen to this, Corey and Kelly used to put on the Louisville uh, management – the ASLA management clinic in Louisville Mm -hmm. that is defunct now. But they kind of ran that. So if you're familiar with that, that kind of gives you a little insight. Yeah, yeah. So, but, and Charlie's a horticultural he's like economist.
1: The, one of the, if not the top horticultural economist in uh, in the U.S. Right. Probably in the world, yeah. realistically, but yeah. it, definitely in the U.S. Yeah. And um, he works with like American Hort and all these different. He he's a at Texas A and M as a professor of a, like an economics professor, but he really focused on horticulture. And we're in this position where we blend the horticultural industry and the ecological restoration industry. Um, so, which is a very interesting place to be in uh, because I'll go to some meetings. At, if I go to, like, an ecological meeting, I'm like, oh, man, they don't understand, like, the the nursery and the farming side at all. And then I'll go to – I had a meeting yesterday about invasive plants and I'm with all these nurseries. I'm like, they don't understand the ecological side of this at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Yeah, there's. I don't want to get into that anymore. No, but- I had enough of it last night. But anyway, this whole program is geared – to, uh, to help nurseries become more business savvy, you have a lot of nurseries were started by, by people who were really passionate about plants, but they did not have a lot of business sense, and then they went out of business really quickly. So this was kind of take started with like the some of the best nurseries, and then they trickled all the way down yeah. to us, and included a, us too. But it's a program so,
0: that you've been through. Your brother has yeah, been through.
1: Yep. But
0: it there's so so many great people. I guess the program was like an alumni program that yes, you and Steve yeah. invited me along with so mm-hmm. I got to attend. Yep. But you're sitting in a room with 50 of the top nursery minds mm-hmm. in the country, yeah, which is yep. amazing, like like CEOs, presidents yeah. of, of all these. And this
1: is stuff where if you went to your, your local garden center, or Home Depot, or Lowe's – these are the plants you're buying or yeah. from these places, yeah. like these people. Yeah, um, like you're sitting in, yeah. you're doing a um, negotiation
0: drill, and I'm looking around, and the people on my team are the owner of Walter's Gardens and the, <laughs> you know, yeah. like Bailey's Nursery and like all these, all these incredible companies that you're you're getting to network with and talk business with mm-hmm. in a setting that's that's fantastic. But yeah. in the same respect, we're also, in a different side of the market than most of the people mm-hmm. in that room.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Can we talk about the experience I had at the the one outing, or is that something you want to save for um, later?
1: I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if we want to talk about that yet or not.
0: There's a whole really good story yeah, yeah, that yeah. happened
1: to me. Yeah. On this Very trip. yeah, really cool story that happened to Fran, but it's I don't know what might come of it, so I don't know if we should tell it or not. And I don't yeah. know if it's, it's – as I don't impressive wanna... as it is to us, I don't know if it would be impressive to yeah. a lot of people listening because they're like, I don't know, I don't know who yeah. any of these people are. But but it
0: lent it, yeah. it some unique opportunities.
1: Yes, for sure. Um,
0: which may or may not happen. or Whether it includes us or not, that maybe it it, it helps change people's mind about native plants. Um, but it's just it, – it, it's a very cool, unique – opportunity to get to sit with these people in a way that you typically wouldn't get this amount of time with and to do team building skills with and it was just it was i i was so pumped i don't know if i even shut up on the ride back to the airport oh, yeah about it yeah. you know because it gives you so many great mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. um yep. and, and ways yep. to look at things
1: so. yeah but anyway it's out in chicago which is a different area of the country than we normally get to work in and we've gotten to be friends with some nurseries that are out there so we were our flight that made the most sense. Actually, got there at like a, what eight a.m. and we didn't have yeah. anything to do until six Five, p.m. Yeah, Five six, 6 p.m. Yeah. So we're like, well, well, let's rent a car and go out and visit some of these places. So we drove out to Pizzo Nursery, which is in Illinois, about an hour and twenty minutes outside of Chicago, and got an awesome tour from Kyle and Mandy there. Yeah. And um, anytime you go to a different nursery uh, as a nursery person. There's always, like, little things that you see where you're like, oh, man, I can't believe we didn't think about doing it that way. That is so much better than the way we do yeah. things. And uh, so, yeah, we got a lot of that.
0: We, we definitely – you know, and it's always nice to see native plant nurseries in other parts of the country too and and just see what they're doing and how they're doing it. And it mm-hmm. was – oh, it was extremely impressive, and they're fantastic people too who yeah. we've met. We just had never been to their nursery before.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, then from there, we drove an hour and like an hour and a half ish up to uh, Taylor Creek Nursery in uh, in Wisconsin, just over the Wisconsin border yeah. from Illinois. And um, so, first time in Wisconsin for me, which is cool. And yeah, got a nice tour from Elliot there, yeah. and uh, and saw Cynthia as well. Yeah, and I didn't catch the name of uh, some of the other folks we met.
0: So, so such yeah. an impressive uh, nursery on the the seed, just the seed. Part of it alone was was mind blowing to me, uh, and they have some really cool things on their property too, like the hill prairie and, mm-hmm. and things like that, some remnant prairies. But it was just cool to see that kind of operation and what they were doing, and 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 to the scale that they were doing it was just so impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was it yeah. was my I didn't expect I not not in a bad way I just didn't expect it to be to be blown away
1: yes yep yeah you know. for sure you know so,
0: but no it, it ended up good i know we talked about on Paul, we ended up getting some spotted cow beer and and yeah. deep dish oh, pizza yeah. on the way back yeah. and uh we cut it really close actually i think we we're about 30 minutes late
1: getting yeah that. we were supposed to be there at originally well i think it started at like five o'clock yeah or, i don't remember turns out that was just the dinner so we missed we missed getting our free dinner yeah but that was what, yeah, whatever. We had at pizza anyway. Yeah. yeah, they had pizza later we had pizza earlier, and then, um, yeah. But it was it was a really good trip. Yeah, and it's just cool to see different nurseries in different part of the country and have the nurseries that have the same mission as yeah. we do, yeah. and um, and just the little tiny things that that they do differently than us, and we're looking forward to having them out at some point to, exactly. to check out our place. Exactly, it's I'm,
0: I just feel so. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. I want to say blessed that we're in an industry where I, – I mean technically we're not competitors because of the, the area of the mm-hmm. company or the yeah. area of the country that we're all in. Yep. But to be able to be so friendly with people that you compete Yeah, with, for sure. Um, And, and share customer inform- – like share – you know you have similar customers that you can recommend each other to or show someone how you're doing this or, hey, come here and, and we'll show you what we're doing it's just I don't think you get that everywhere. Actually we part of this program we did a tour of ball horticulture. Yeah. And yeah. their their CEO was saying he was originally from M&M Mars. Yeah. And that if he was walking down the street and saw someone from Nestle, he would cross the street. <laughs> you know, and yeah, just yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. you kinda of grumble under your breath. But we're here you can welcome your competitor in mm-hmm. and shake hands and break yeah. bread and, and share yeah. share what you're doing. And it's I know there's other industries that do that. I just feel very fortunate that
1: that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, that yeah. that we can do that. What's uh? And I, I genuinely
0: the, like the people that. Oh yeah, for sure. That we're doing it for there. sure.
1: There's the a thing I read about the Italian car industry at one point, and um, kind of similar idea where it was like once a year. You think like all these Ferrari and I don't remember all the cars. Lamborghinis, another one, right? Yeah, yeah. all these Italian car manufacturers, like the big luxury ones, yeah. they they would have their engineers like go to dinner like once a year just to kind of, because they wanted, not only did they want to all have like really awesome car designs and businesses, but they also wanted the Italian car industry to boost as a whole yeah. because <clears throat> that resulted in people saying, well, I want an Italian luxury car because a German luxury car is not going to be good enough. The Italian ones are the best. Yeah so they would like kind of get to dinner share some stuff so the entire industry would boost and then like collaborate and uh and then do their own thing once they left
0: and i know we mentioned it i know we have a facebook group and of native plant growers and when we when we're at conferences and or mm-hmm. trade shows we all try to get together and hang out for an evening like we did it in baltimore you did it in columbus ohio yeah yep um that kind of stemmed a little bit from jack Pizzo. uh approaching us at a trade show like with Mm -hmm. a similar thing instead of italian car makers he kind of brought up the california wine yes exactly uh working together to kind of raise each other up as a as a industry as a whole so it's i you know i love that we can go to a conference and hang out with 30 other native plant growers and say hey i got a question i'm struggling with this or how are you doing that and Mm -hmm. and and we all get along really well which which i appreciate so so i think that what – that covers covers it you want to go to yeah, this I or yeah i think that? so did, let's do uh, was there anything else that happened there i don't think so
1: not that i can recall no, no
0: i don't think so no. i i did think it was interesting that that when you're at the the headquarters for ball horticulture which i think is the largest nursery in the mm-hmm. world that the the meadows and the grounds
1: were designed by Jack Pizzo. Yeah. Pizzo's oh, yeah. yeah. That was the one thing send- I would bring up is you're in this place that's um, known for no, like, yeah, known for a lot of its uh, genetic uh, things that it does, where yeah. it's where how it's creating all these new varieties of plants, and then their whole a lot of their landscape was native plants. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, no, that was just a really really cool thing to see. Not um, what you would expect, no, but it was sure like. Not.
0: It, it was noticeable as soon as our bus pulled up yep. in front. I was like, look at this. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, I, was, I, w- I was in awe a little bit yeah. of it because oh, it yeah. wasn't what I expected. Definitely not. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. So I am thinking let's do a little bit of, well, a lot of bit of this or that. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, it's been a while since we've we've recorded a buzz, but uh, we do have a winner, and the winner is Tom uh, who beat me 11 to 8. Tom's article was about what does your landscape say about you, and my article was on national parks restoring grasslands in South Dakota. So a lot of people uh, liked your article. There was a lot of people sharing – photos saying oh look at my yard it says i'm eco chic <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so it, it was uh it, that was a very fun article so um you get to choose if you want to go first or second um Hmm. i that's didn't even look to see one. what you have yet
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll go first well, oh okay. no you know what why don't you go first
0: all right all right cool actually i just looked at what yours yeah. is and i do know what it is yeah. and i think that's gonna maybe spark even another conversation I, as far as i
1: yeah that's why i figured why don't you go first because okay. i think we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, my I, after i, I agree um, i agree yeah i actually shared it with with fran yeah. uh earlier in the week uh based on something that was going on in our on. our facebook group so yeah so and said, oh, this is actually the article i was thinking about. which i sparked without yeah
0: like knowing yeah what what was going to do but uh, my article is called Birds Nesting in Agricultural Lands Are More Vulnerable to Extreme Heat, study finds. And this article is by Melina Walling, and I found the article on org. I don't think it's that long. No, it's like a page. Um, birds. Uh, let's see. As climate change intensifies extreme heat, farms are becoming less hospitable to nesting birds, a new study found that could be another barrier by main, uh, to maintaining rapidly eroding biodiversity that also provides benefits to humans including farmers who get free pest control when birds eat agricultural pests researchers who examined data on over 150,000 nesting attempts found that birds in agricultural lands were 46% less likely to successfully raise at least one chick when it got to really when it got really hot uh, than birds in other areas I don't think we expected it to be as extreme as it was, said Catherine uh, Locke, a PhD candidate at University of California, Davis, and lead author of the study published Thursday in the journal uh, Science. Bird scientists have been tracking the decline of avian wildlife for years. In 2019, a comprehensive study showed that there were 3 billion fewer wild birds than in 1970. The new study represents a closer look at what might be behind the dramatic decline. Intense commercial farming is known to harm birds. Fields completely clear of trees and other natural barriers like shelter for wildlife and pesticides and other agricultural chemicals can hurt birds. The study concluded that species of higher cons- conservation concern in the U.S., those closer to being listed as federally threatened or endangered, were more vulnerable to extreme heat events in agricultural settings. But across the board, birds and forests were 14 percent more likely to achieve reproductive success in times of extreme heat. The study's findings were not surprising to Ken Rosenberg, a biologist with the Road to Recovery Initiative who formerly worked as a conservation biologist at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and was lead author on what he calls the 3 billion bird study. The idea that forest birds could benefit slightly from warmer temperatures makes sense, he said, since shade from trees provide a buffer from extreme heat that agricultural areas don't have. Rosenberg, who was not affiliated with the study, said he was pleased to see a paper in a prestigious journal using large data sets built from citizen science data. In this case, the observations came from NestWatch, a nationwide nest monitoring program that anyone can participate in. However, Rosenberg cautioned that more data might be needed to confirm that species of higher conservation concern were more vulnerable since the overwhelming majority of the data involved species of low conservation concern. The researchers predicted how different bird species might fare in each landscape during extreme heat events. They concluded that in agricultural areas, species of greater conservation concern, like the oak tit mouse, would see worse outcomes than species of lower concern, like the house sparrow. Rosenberg and David Bird, a professor emeritus of wildlife biology at McGill University, said that the study contributes to the understanding of the negative effects of intense single-crop farming – Bird said the study sings the praises of the need for preserving our forests, which not only protect birds from hot weather but also help protect ecosystems from global warming by absorbing carbon. The study suggests that if farmers purposefully left just a little more natural space around farms with few trees or native plants, not necessarily changing everything about their operations, birds could better coexist with humans, Rosenberg said. Some of these open country birds don't really need a lot of habitat or a lot of space, he said. They just need some. Lead author Lauk is now working to better understand exactly why birds experience such large differences in nesting success between farmed and forested areas, hoping uh, that would point toward useful uh, interventions. New solutions that are neutral for farmers but helpful, helpful for biodiversity in the long term will create more resilient biosphere for all of us, they said. So I thought that was pretty interesting cuz you don't always think about bird interaction when it comes to farm crops. So though yesterday mm-hmm. while I was walking to my car, our property borders 300 acres of farmland. Yeah. And right behind the nursery there's a huge field of soy and there was a red-tailed hawk that was circling a foot yeah. above the soy just looking for yeah, <laughs> looking yeah, yeah. for prey. Um I you know, obviously, we've talked about succession and different forms of succession bring different biodiversity and habitat. Like it's a, it's shocking to hear how many birds we've lost in the last fifty years because that's my lifetime. Um, and I know that's changed as far as what the land is used for. Um, so I know that's changed, but it's—I would imagine that the birds that you find in farm fields are more. Adaptable to those conditions rather than for it's not yeah. like oh, yeah. you have forest birds that are particularly mm-hmm. just living there because you know it's a different, different birds have different needs. But we've been seeing for a long time the trying to implement, especially in New Jersey, buffer fields and native plants. I know NRCS has been working. Uh, Really heavily on that, just to have a little bit of buffer around some of these fields, natural buffer. We see it around here where we're at. Um, But when we were out in Chicago driving through Illinois and Wisconsin, I mean, how many times did we go by cornfields that went as far as the eye? For miles. Yeah, as far as as the eye could see. um, Here it's a little more pockets, like with woods around it. Yeah.
1: That was something where. Uh, just going back, that was a, one of my big takeaways from our trip to Chicago that I should have added is when I think of a lot so many people are saying how how disrupting agricult- agriculture is to uh, to wildlife and, and pollinators, which I agree with. Yeah. but being where we are, I'm like, well, agriculture, yeah, has its impacts. But development is, like, way bigger of an impact. And uh, I when I said those things, I kind of did forget about what the middle of the country looked like. Um, and um, <laughs> so, yeah, in that sense, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I can totally get why agriculture is, like, a big impact to, to pollinators and wildlife yeah. seeing this. Here in New Jersey, it's, like, it's kind of intermeshed. And it's, like, the, the development is a way bigger yeah. impact than agriculture ever could be. Um, in like, fact, I'm actually speaking next week at a uh, the New Jersey Farm Bureau Convention, and my yeah. big um, the name of the talk uh, is, is Growing for Pollinators, and it's a little bit is about our business model, but then also saying, like, as a farmer, here's the benefits of actually doing things for pollinators on your farm, um, and you're just – you're giving up a little bit, but it's a lot to – wildlife and insects
0: well they mentioned so, just pest control with, oh, with yeah. having birds but yeah. when you think of we we saw you could you could have we could have gotten out of the car and spun in a 360 circle and it would have been nothing but corn as far as the eye can see so when you have a monoculture like that how much biodiversity can you have exactly. as far as yeah. wildlife and birds because there's only so many things that mm-hmm. can yeah they can yeah. handle that so i would imagine that that's some of the concern it's just it's kind of things you know but the article kind of put it in perspective for me mm-hmm. and kind of like made me focus on it when I hadn't really thought about it before. Yeah,
1: and you have um, you have more uh, bare soil in yeah. in those kind of conditions, uh, which is going to increase to uh, just the temperature in those areas. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to have basically a change in crop every year. So all this corn that we saw this year, a lot of it's going to be Soybeans soy, next year, yeah. <laughs> and it, they they rotate through. So um, – and that's got to impact bird populations as well because you're going to have yeah. different insects and different things that are going to like corn versus soy yeah. and uh, and vice versa, and the birds that are feeding on those things are going to be different.
0: I would types. imagine that would affect migration also for birds yeah. that are migrating through that yeah, area. So.
1: That would make it a little bit more difficult,
0: but it was uh, – a. This article was good timing for me after having been in Chicago or in Illinois and Wisconsin where we saw a lot more farm than what we typically see here. Like it's funny. We have a lot of farmland by us but not like that. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah, farmland sure. by that. It's like little pockets. sure. So – and I am looking forward to your article because I have a feeling this is going to be a good conversation.
1: So yeah. Um, mine was – I – I pulled this article, I don't even remember where I got it at this point, but uh, I pulled it off LinkedIn or Facebook, and then in our Facebook group, there's actually a discussion about this, so okay. I figured I'd talk about the article and then um, then give some of my thoughts uh, about it.
0: So, and then we'll talk about the discussion at the Facebook group after you read the article. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Or do you want to give some, uh, pro- it, it started from a post that I did on my Facebook about, an area in our backyard that we're solarizing mm-hmm. that we're using old yep. camping tarps to cover. We have a patch; for, it's, it's this weird patch that's probably the, the size of your office, mm-hmm. Tom. Which is like I, it was; it, it's, it's ten foot wide and it's thirty foot long. The, the yeah. area, yeah. So, because it took three tarps mm-hmm. to, to cover, yep. I'm assuming they're ten by ten. I don't know. Um, and it's all invasive daylily. Mm-hmm. What's that? Hemerocallis fulva. I want to say. Oh, I don't know. But yeah. it's it's that typical like orange daylily that the, the tubers are so thick. We had a small patch in our front yard that was maybe a five by five that I dug out and it took me two days and I still didn't get all the tubers and we still have coming up. So we're like, let's try to solarize this and I kind of just highlight it like, hey, this is a project I'm working on that we're going to revisit every couple months if you're interested. And I was saying that I was using plastic, but you could use cardboard, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, clear plastic typically works better. I'm not necessarily even doing it at the right time of the year, yeah. But we figured we had time to kill, we'll just do it all winter, mm-hmm. like, and and see where it was at because I knew it was going to be hard to kill these daylilies. lilies, yeah. And I didn't realize I had commenti- commenting turned off,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. Kevin
0: Moriarty kind of commented on it in the Facebook group. To say, hey, um, I can't remember what his comment was, but then there was a conversation that they're saying this that was
1: saying that they, I think it was that about they had Ivy because I was saying with yeah, Ivy, yeah, with Ivy you know. that they'd had success just putting the cardboard on it and then covering it with yeah. with, with mulch, mulch, right?
0: Yeah, because I have large, large swaths of, of English Ivy in my yeah. backyard that eventually we're we're moving to next. Yeah, and then someone commented that there's new re- research about PFOS in cardboard. Mm-hmm. But I guess it depends on the type of cardboard you're using. I don't know that there's the same amount of P- – like I don't think you're getting PFAS no, in pizza yeah. box cardboard. Um, but I didn't necessarily clarify that a lot of people use pizza boxes. So that that's kind of what sparked the discussion, just what was safe to use and some of the new research coming out about it. Yeah. So we had a whole – we had a whole – discussion about this and little did we know that tom kind of had an article
1: yeah and it was really just to kind of have the discussion i i i don't know where i stand on this whole uh this whole uh i don't know enough conversation i don't
0: know enough to maybe intelligibly discuss it in depth yeah So So I basically, we
1: already kind of had a little bit of discussion on our Facebook group, but this article was to kind of have more of a discussion because there's parts of it that I don't necessarily understand. And I, when I look at it, I'm like, Oh, I don't know if that really makes sense. Um, so I'm going to read the article and then, uh, then we'll get into more of that discussion afterwards. Uh, but it was actually from the LA times has a, a plant column and, uh, I forgot to cite the author on the script. So I'll have to look that up at some point. But the title of the article was, What's the Fastest Way to Kill Your Lawn? Science Says Forget the Cardboard. Um, and it's basically a, a blog that is in the LA okay. Times. But um, so I'll read some starting now. So, right. An update on my ongoing quest to find the cheapest, easiest, and most effective way to smother weeds and unwanted lawns to create drought-tolerant landscapes and better soil. Arborist Lindard Chalker Scott, horticultural professor and advisor for the Washington State University uh Research and Extension Center. Says the best method is not only the easiest, it's also supported by scientific research. Mow the lawn and or weeds as low as possible. Basically scalp it, she said. Cover the turf and or weeds with at least 8 to 12 inches of freshly cut wood chips. Then wait a month or two for the grass and or weeds to die. There's no need to remove the solder, spread a layer of newspaper or cardboard first, to Chalker Scott, who explains uh, it all on the Garden Professors, a science-based blog she helped create. Weeds and lawn won't grow without light, she said. After six weeks or so, pull back the chips. If any grass is still green, wait until it's brown and decomposing, she said. Then you can dig in the soil, add new plants, and return the mulch to help build better soil. She bases her technique off of a study published in 2005 where she and others tried to find ways to eliminate a patch of weedy blackberry bushes to make way for native plants. They mowed the field and sprayed half of it with all the, uh, with the herbicide glyphosate, which is an active ingredient in Roundup, Um, The other half was covered with a foot of wood chips. They let the area sit all fall and winter, planted native plants in both sections, and sat back and watched. On the glyphosate side, all the weeds came roaring back and all the native plants died, she said. On the wood chip side, we had 100% survival of the native plants. In fact, it was better than 100% because the snowberries did so well they started spreading, which was a turning point for me. Wood chips are so easy and natural that uh, she and her arborist colleagues are are all fanatics about their benefits. I even have one colleague who says if something's wrong in your landscape, the answer is wood chip mulch. What about the purported benefits of lasagna mulching, where you cover the ground with flattened, wet, moistened, or well moistened cardboard or newspaper before adding the chips and other amendments? This topic exasperates Chalker Scott, who's written seven garden myth-busting books. There's no peer-reviewed research on the benefits of cardboard mulch, she said, and the little research that exists indicate that using cardboard mulch does more harm than good. I'm awful following nature in how we manage our gardens and landscapes, she wrote in April. But deep sheet mulching isn't natural; it's bat sheet crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Schalker Scott was part of the only uh, part of the only scientific study using cardboard as mulch that she has seen. Uh, the 2019 study examined how carb- carbon dioxide and oxygen move throughout various mulches in and out of the ground. A four-inch layer of wood chips has the best airflow of any mulch. A single layer of cardboard with nothing on top was ten times worse than uh, ten times worse. And landscape fabric was a 100 times worse, she said. People don't think about oxygen being a critical component in the soil, she said. They want to smother weeds, but what they're doing is smothering the ecosystem and the living things in the soil. The moles and earthworms and microbes will suffer and possibly die. Anecdotal reports of earthworms and fungi teeming under the cardboard would could well be those creatures uh, trying to get oxygen, said Chalker Scott. A study published in May looked at environmental contaminants in bedding materials for chickens, which included shredded cardboard. And this was actually one of the studies that was cited in the Facebook discussion. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm realizing now. Um, The study found that cardboard had some of the highest levels of hazardous contaminants, including so far so called forever chemicals that are harmful to animals, including humans and the overall environment. So why she says, would you add that to your garden soil? Plant pathologist, James Downer of Ventura, another garden professor blogger agrees that wood chips without cardboard are the best approach to rebuilding soil and squelching unwanted, Uh, grasses and weeds but downer retired horticultural advisor for Ventura county's uc cooperative extension office and plant science instructor as uh at cal poly panoma yeah pomona pomona not not pomona 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 Pomona. Pomona. you can tell we're from the east coast (laughs) (laughs) so uh warns that southern california has more warm season grasses like bermuda grass which are harder to kill he recommends covering along with 8 to 12 inches of wood chips and then being vigilant about yanking any rhizomes that pop through using a spot application of the grass herbicide, uh, I don't remember how to pronounce that one, Flazifop uh, P. Butyl, such as uh, Fusilade 2 to kill intruders. Uh, There's a note in here too saying that the environmental or the EPA says, uh, that, that chemical is toxic to fish and other aquatic creatures and can be harmful to humans if inhaled or absorbed through the skin. Oh. So, getting chips is relatively easy. Downer says, Talk to t- local tree trimming companies request the delivery of arborist fresh wood chips or sign up uh, with Chip Drop, which connects arborist looking dump chips with people who want them. The chips are free, although you might get faster service if you pay a small fee. Be warned, however, the chips, uh, the drops can be huge, enough to bury your driveway, and may be delivered without warning. So, Lot going on there. Yes, uh, you put it in context with that Facebook discussion yeah. that we had, which I'm I'm thankful that everyone involved didn't escalate it to where I've seen with uh with other uh, Facebook groups. Uh, I'm
0: not gonna say that yeah. I wasn't a little concerned that it might go. Oh that yeah, way, yeah. But it
1: it didn't. <laughs> we were kind of watching, like eating Damn. some popcorn. Is this the first one? Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna
0: happen. And- now for for me, for what I'm trying to do, like I've learned yeah. that with the front garden we did wood chips yeah. even though i hand dug out the because i'm dealing with an invasive it it didn't prevent it like that invade like that hammer yeah that's why i was trying to solar that's why i'm trying to solarize it with with mm-hmm. with plastic and i thought it would be a good learning experience for anyone going yeah. through it It like it was either do it this way or get I couldn't hand dig. I was going to have to get a mm-hmm. rototiller.
1: And now what you're doing is a little different yeah. than what the – You're but covering it and then to kill everything and yeah. uncovering it. Yeah. Pl- which – um, yeah. yeah.
0: To, to plant – like I had to remove a native herbaceous garden uh, when we had a patio put down this year. So mm-hmm. they're all in pots. Yeah. So I'm looking at making that area a meadow yeah. over time. Yeah. The daylilies are the – like – I don't know that even with rototilling it would take care of it. Mm-hmm. I had someone reach out who's a little bit of an expert on this. Yeah. Uh, after watching the video and going, you you may need you may still find that you may need to spot treat with yeah. chemicals. And I'm like, but that's a good teaching and learning mm-hmm. thing for everyone. And who like, was the
1: expert? Can you say? I. You don't want to say.
0: I. Well, I I don't want to say give because up your sources. They're going to be a future guest on the oh, podcast. Okay. I just don't know that. I know what their Facebook name is, which I don't know if that's really their.
1: Oh, interesting! Their full real name. I'm trying to figure out who this is. I'm gonna write it down. Friends, gonna we are gonna have share secrets here. But <laughs> wait, here, here's their
0: their name, and you can see why I'm hesitant to say it out loud. Oh yeah yeah yeah! I remember yeah. you telling me yeah. about this now yeah so. Yeah. It may get to the point where I may need – it's a tool in the toolbox. It may yep. get to a point yep. where I may need to spot treat with chemicals to to rid invasives and, and – because I wanted yeah. to be successful because I know these daylilies are so invasive and aggressive that they can choke out the rest of it. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I took the video. But did I think about cardboard? I did. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have it at my disposal at the time.
1: Yeah, and it's so – With from my experience with this, um my brother started uh actually it was in a farm a town over from us, started a program with their community where they built these um I think it was actually an Eagle Scout for an Eagle Scout project, built a like a pizza box collection box. Yeah, that yeah, pizza box collection box. So people, when they were done with their pizza boxes, because you can't recycle pizza boxes because yeah. of the oils in yeah. them, right? The pizza, yes. greasy pepperoni, yeah. leaks in the cardboard, and big problems yeah. for recycling centers. They can't use it, and they have to throw out whole loads. So don't do that. Yes. You can rip off the tops if they're not greasy yeah. and recycle those. Anyway, they built this pizza box recycling box, and this other, and then the other farm would come and collect them and, uh, and then use them for they were an organic vegetable farm and use it to mulch around their vegetable rows instead of putting down a plastic mulch. So they put that down and put uh, wood mulch over top, and that was how they would keep weed suppression down, so they'd have to use a chemical application to keep weeds down. An Eagle Scout in our town wanted to do it, and they started reaching out to local farms. Uh, my brother got involved and said that he would use them, um, and I give him a hard time because I'm like, you didn't really have a way to use them you had yeah. to invent ways to use them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we're a vegetable farm so he was taking them and actually using them to be like a, a mat around trees so like trees that he planted on our farm he would then cut a hole like a slit in the pizza box wrap it around the base of the tree and then wood mulch yeah. over top of that same idea keeping yeah. weed pressure down and it works really well um we posted this on our facebook account or nursery facebook yeah. account and got all couple comments right away saying oh you shouldn't do that because of the PFAS yeah and uh so I started looking into it saying is this real or is this alarmism yeah and I think from what I could tell there's not a ton of research out there about it from what I could tell it was real a lot of the pizza box manufacturers because of this because literally you you get a uh from what I can tell was like the slick boxes that pizzas used to come in yeah where they were really heavy in those chemicals And they were finding that they were were transferring to the food. (laughs) And and just to avoid that, they stopped using a lot of that stuff. So with pizza boxes tend to be pretty clean now, but they aren't, they might not be 100% clean. But it was enough there. I was like, we need to make sure we're doing our due diligence here. We can't just, it's a a feel-good story. But even from the beginning, I kind of had my doubts that are like, does this actually, does it work and is it, well, there's inks in it. There's all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Is that actually? What is the ink made out of? Is that beneficial? Is that yeah. something that's being banned yeah. to the ground? Yeah. And, um, is it actually a better solution than what is already going on? And um, so I kind of had my doubts there with the the cardboard, um, and then with the PFAS thing. I'm like, oh, maybe maybe we take a step back here because that yeah. could be worse. So, but from what I found, a lot of the a lot of the cardboard does not have a lot in it and it's hard to judge because you're you'd have some research that says it does and some research says it doesn't seems like the websites that say that it's loaded with it are like the real like alarmist eco websites um so yeah it's hard it was a hard one to wade through and figure out what was true and what was not yeah i've also tried with wood mulch just wood mulch and it works with some things, but I get um, I get a lot of pears that push up through. I get a whole new like wave of weeds on top. Yeah, uh, but I've also wasn't going as I wasn't going eight to twelve inches deep. I was yeah. probably like four to six inches deep. So is that why I was having issues, or uh, maybe I don't know. It's, yeah, it's um, hard to say. So yeah, I don't know. And and then I've heard some things about some of the the people referenced in this article um, that where I'm like. I don't – where I, I don't know enough about it to know for sure, but I've heard enough about the people in this article or some of the people in this article that their credibility is thrown in, da- in doubt by yeah. to some people. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting conundrum. I don't – because I don't think we know all the facts. Yeah. And I'm
0: trying to pr- approach it from the standpoint that we always approach with having a toolbox – and you wouldn't use yeah. a hammer for everything, but you oh, use yeah. it just where you need yeah. it. You know, like we don't say, hey, go crazy with, with glyphosate. But yeah. if you had to spot treat one or two areas, mm-hmm. yep. it's it's a better solution. It's, it's at least oh, a yeah. tool to have yeah. in there. And I, without having all the information, you would have to assume that there is going to be some issues, but how big – is yeah, it a better exactly. solution than something else?
1: I, and I guess going back, a lot of my concern with the cardboard was how is bringing this man-made product. I think it's like it felt like more of a feel-good thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm using this because it's safe. It's the same thing that happens. I see all the time. It's like, oh, don't, don't spray the slugs in your your yard with uh with the or insects with this like poison from the Home Depot, just use Dawn dish detergent and salt and vinegar instead. It's like they're also chemicals. Like, yes. It's just a chemical that's in your house that you assume is safe because it's in your house versus something you're getting from a big box store. Yeah. Like it's the same kind of thing I think with the cardboard. It's like we're yeah. assuming this is safe because everything comes in cardboard. Yeah. But does that actually mean it is safe? I don't know. Well I remember I, I'm not a cardboard expert. having a uh,
0: my old house had an above ground pool and the deck had that like deck carpeting Mm -hmm. yeah that was getting moss on it Mm -hmm. and i'm researching like how do i get the moss off of this like the most common answer was white vinegar yeah which i'm like you wouldn't just go and drink a cup of white vinegar like you know what i mean like you use a little bit of white vinegar but like if you're using that to kill moss yeah (laughs) yeah. it, it can't be all that great for you you know what i mean
1: yeah it, it's one, it's probably one of those things. Like in so many things, in moderation, it's okay. But yeah. like for a little bit in your salad dressing or this white vinegar, will take rust off of, uh, off of like metal. Yeah. And so you let it sit there. And it's not that long either. It's like no. less than a day. <laughs> it'll, it'll just strip rust off metal. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, yeah. It's.
0: I, I think it what's important and what I can appreciate about how the conversation played out in the Facebook group is it's just the fact that it's important to have these conversations. And so many different views were brought on this and so many different factors that it's good that we can rationally have the conversation mm-hmm. and figure out we still don't know what the best way is. We yeah. just know more about what we don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh until we know more you just proceed with caution and and just keep it you know what's the best tool in your toolbox Mm -hmm. to
1: yeah the other thing i'll bring up with the wood chips is so we actually use use a lot of wood chips at our farm and um and things like chip drop are great and uh but um you need to have the space for them which they warn you about here but that was something someone else brought to our attention is like yeah, you live in an HOA where you can't have something like a car parked on the street or something like yeah. that, but you're going to be able to leave a pile of wood chips there for months. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so uh, you do need the space for them uh, if you're going to go that route. And then uh, then you also have some issues with the fresh wood chips will actually steal nitrogen for the, how they're breaking down and yeah. decomposing. They're actually stealing nitrogen, which can actually hurt your plants yeah. starting out. So um, you have to watch out for that too. Yeah. So it's not like something where you're going to get that fresh load of wood chips, put it down, and then plant right in it because that, that's also going to lead to disaster. Yeah, um, totally. And then another thing that's actually happening right now, you're talking about the solarization, is uh, is that's killing a lot of life in your soil, which I think is referenced in the article. Yes. Like yeah. that's killing the life in your soil, and then you're hoping it re- rebounds. Rebounds, yeah. Um. So yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff going on with that, even in New Jersey right now yeah. too. So yeah. it's uh yeah it's I don't know if there is a a hundred percent like danger free answer.
0: Like I said, I yeah. know I could have tilled and tried to take all the tubers out, which wasn't going to occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't want to till. You know, yeah. it's just you know because that brings a whole nother. Uh, yeah slew of things. So I'm like, I don't know what the best answer is. I'm going with this. Yep. For yep. what I'm trying to accomplish, I'm going with this and hoping. Yeah. And oh, let's yeah. see how it goes. So yeah. – but I think it's a great conversation. I appreciate everyone that, that also joined in on that that conversation. If you're not a member of the Facebook group, go to the Facebook group. See this. Uh, look at the conversation. See some of the articles and and, and do a little research of your own. Mm-hmm. And while you're there, this will go up on Monday. Where you can vote. So it's Tom's article on uh, the best way to kill your lawn, and my article about uh, bird nesting and ag- agricultural lands and and climate change. We'll have it up on the Monday, and you get to vote because. And of course, the choice is yours. I should say, make go and vote because there you go. There you Sorry, go. Sorry, it's been a while since I messed that up.
1: Stay tuned for more of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast, presented by Pine Lands Nursery.
0: Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Let's do some listener shout outs. Listener, listener, shout out, shout out,
1: shout out. -out. Bryn, you Uh, go first with yours. Yeah. My (laughs) my list here.
0: Now, I do want to say that now that we're including Spotify, the Spotify. I, I don't have them all listed because some of these people have commented on multiple um, episodes. Like the yeah. conversations yeah. are now starting on Spotify, and we're getting really good feedback. Cool. So um, I wanted to thank Carol Pollard uh, who sent me a message on Instagram in reference to – I had posted the story as a story, the episode with Tim Mack uh, from Birdscape, uh, Birdscaping Unlimited, and she said that that episode – inspired her to go out and buy five native plants for bird habitat and nesting and food to include along with her, her bird feeders, which was very, that was inspirational for her. Her response was very inspirational to us saying that, you know, that's why we do this. If, you know, it wasn't, I'm ripping out everything and planting all natives. It was just like, Hey, I'm making a change. I went out – I think it was a couple black chokeberries, a couple red chokeberry. I can't remember what the other plant is. I'm going to see if I can look real fast and see what it is without taking too much time. It was um, two black chokeberry, one red chokeberry, and one elderberry. Nice. So I thought that was a – that made me feel really good. I shared shared that with Tim Mack. He was thrilled that that, that conversation made a difference to someone and we mm-hmm. just want to say thank you for sharing sharing your your actions with us we appreciate it
1: yeah yeah and um mine is we will start with oh i gotta find the list again i scrolled the, away from um. it uh with uh f natural me yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh where I, I lost my other list with all the reviews on it so i can reference them um oh crap friend where'd it go uh, i don't know i'll find it give um. me a second
0: I, I can bring it up real quick if you want me to. <laughs> no, I got really, it. I got okay. It.
1: Uh, just a second here. Yeah, uh, that they really that's one of the people who really enjoyed the Birdscaping Industries and Camille Dungy episodes. Um, and then uh, yeah, and they, they
0: live in the same town as Camille Dungy.
1: Yeah, live in the same town as Camille, so they're really excited for that episode. Uh, you had farmer Matt and who I think we know who this is. I'm pretty sure. I. I I was thinking I knew who it was, Yeah, but I'm not yeah, positive. Yeah. It's uh Yeah. But um they said we're hands down the best podcast about native plants, their ecology and botany, habitat restoration and the nursery trade. Um yeah, maybe if you put make like the criteria is having all of them in there, maybe we're the best that has every single one of those things. But uh no, that's really we're really honored by that. But yeah, yeah there's a uh, lot totally. of great native plant podcasts, there's a lot of great ecology podcast, botany podcast. Uh, habitat restorations. I don't know of many. Well, there's some nursery trade podcasts out there now too. There are there. What? I know.
0: Uh, uh, why why am I drawing a blank? I I can see her face and I can't think of her name. But there was a. Uh, I know you're talking Sear- about too. Um, um, yeah,
1: I'm. But it's a, a conservation too.
0: restoration yeah. podcast that they started, yeah. uh, which was fantastic. So
1: that's probably a good one to. Um, we should do another one of those. Maybe that's what our. Because our other buzz, we have to do so fast that people won't be able to vote. So I was like, maybe we make that more of like a big conversation. Maybe maybe that's what we do is our list of, not do us, of this our favorite. Or that. Yeah, not do this or that, but do our list of favorite uh, um, eco-centric or plant-centric podcasts. I love that idea. Uh, since we're doing this in like a couple of days. I love that so, idea. Because <laughs> so, we did one a long time ago. But we yeah. haven't done a new one, and there's a lot of new podcasts out there or resources out there that uh, that we can help steer people to yeah. that uh, that are good. One that I'll actually bring up um, right now that we'll bring up again is because I just listened to it last week. Is uh, the Wild Story, which Native Plant yeah. Society in New Jersey started putting out, yeah. And they're pretty. They get it's a, a diff- little bit. It's a different style. Than it's what a different we have. style. Yeah. Um, the poetry aspect is is pretty interesting and then they have some pretty good guests on there too to talk about plants so. yeah
0: totally totally i'm looking yeah. while you're going through yours i'm tr- trying to see if i can figure out for some reason i lost all of my podcasts that were in my apple podcast so i don't have it listed mm-hmm. in there so i'm i i don't know why so i'm going through linkedin right now yeah. to see if i can yeah. figure this out
1: so we had uh, environmentally friendly which is also on apple podcast um that enjoyed listening to us for many reasons. Hopefully, it's that we're we're knowledgeable and not that we're <laughs> we're comedically uh, uh, entertaining in the uh, negative way. <laughs> Hope you make a lot of mistakes <laughs> and you can't believe what we're going to say next. So um, then we had. Uh, did I do that one already? Ella Bella, where's no?
0: It? That's oh, the man. that's a new one. That one just popped okay. up today.
1: Oh, that's why it's not on here.
0: What it's did Ella diver- Bella say? Ella Bella said. Actually, it's a. They're all very complimentary, and I can't, I can't thank all of you enough for saying this. But Ella Bella said, "I've really enjoyed your shows. I'm new to listening to podcasts, a late bloomer, if you will. I recently purchased my first home here in Southern New Jersey, and gardening in the pines is a new experience for me. Found your show during the buying process, and realized that every time I listen to you guys, my stress level drops, and I found myself smiling. Thank you for what you do. Wow. Yeah."
1: That's quite a compliment. I wonder uh, if my wife thinks her stress level same, drops every time I, I talk. I had the same thought. I'm like, I bet you my wife would have a different <laughs> <laughs> a different reaction to that. Uh, that is interesting. There are people that when they talk, your stress, stress level drops, and then there's people when you see they want to say something, your stress level just spikes right away. Yeah. Like, oh, what are they going to say? But I'm sure the conversations I'm having with my
0: wife are yeah, way yeah, different yeah. than the conversation we're having so, here.
1: Um, and then I, with uh, – Jamie Toohey and and Dina uh are bot hot boot boot hot I don't I'd say that boot hot boot hot that makes more sense boot hot instead of, or it might be boot though it could be Oh French. that's possible boot but I don't what did they say on Spotify
0: There was more comments it's comments on it, episodes it's comments cool. on ep- Jamie Toohey has commented on awesome. on multiple yeah. uh net Net two zero, I think, mm-hmm. uh has commented a lot and I found out who that is. Do you want me to share who sure, Net Two yeah. Zero
1: is? You have to write it down or can no, you? No, no, say no, no, I'll
0: say it. it's Santina. Uh,
1: okay. He's actually yeah.
0: got a different name on like mo he's commenting on multiple platforms. Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Because he wanted to increase his chance to win a Camille Dungy book, which is very smart. Interesting. We, yeah. 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 So the the person in the podcast I was trying to remember, it was Gene Lynch. Yes, yeah and uh, she started a podcast called restoration conversations mm-hmm. uh, which is a great uh, like like industry based restoration mm-hmm. podcast which is awesome yeah. for us so yeah. but we'll go I think that's a great idea for the next buzz instead of a this or that we'll we'll do our our top native plant yeah. ecology oh, yeah. restoration podcast
1: and yeah so that's it for me All right. I had a lot
0: awesome that was a lot so we we had no questions um we have. No grow read a book. It's uh, as a topic we wanted to bring up uh, that we got a, a very nice email from uh, Nancy Lawson. If you're familiar with Nancy, she's the author of The Humane Gardener and Wildscape. Um, just following up, I were you aware that that Nancy's sister was Janet Crouch? Yes, Janet yeah. and Jeff Crouch. Yeah. So uh, of the of the what was the name of that article? They fought the the lawn and they won yeah it was yeah. – uh, yeah they About the their and they their, win, yeah. their struggle and fight <laughs> with their HOA and it was uh, Nancy was just commenting on the episode that we had done back with Peter Groffman which is your lawn does what and just a follow-up and she gave us a you know some really great context and I think Tom and I ag- agree that we went into that first episode being really naive and I think we kind of just that you can make a big difference by doing these things which you can. But after talking to Melinda Soltis and then having her on, we got a whole different perspective yeah. about
1: how hard that battle mm-hmm. can really be. So, yeah, um, I think the the one of the things that um, that I remember thinking, not living in an HOA yeah. is these HOAs have boards. You if you don't, and this is how I feel about a lot of things. Yeah. If you don't like what's happening. Try and do something about it and change it, and a lot of times that's by joining, like uh, inf- I don't want to say infiltrating, but getting in with the group and convincing them that way, yeah. um, which is easier said than done. And it's something like I'm doing personally with different boards that I'm on. Yeah. Is uh, there's more native plant stuff going on in New Jersey uh, with the in with lawmaking, and it's a lot easier to do it from a board perspective. Uh, you Or I should say it's a lot of you open the door from a, a board perspective, from an industry board or, or that kind of thing, than it is to try and do it on your own. Yeah. Um, but then you are also dealing with a group and yeah. you can't speak on behalf of the group unless the group agrees with you. So that was my point of view on it. Yeah, The issue is with some of these, uh, the HOAs and different groups and different boards yeah. is uh, you sometimes you're dealing with bigger personalities yeah. than... Uh, than others, so some places that's easy to do. It's easy to get in involved and, and change those things. And I know that's happening in some places. And other places, you have people who are uh, uh, can be controlled. And, and you're in
0: the and you're in the minority in a yeah. lot of these. And it's yeah. you know after talking directly with Melinda, you know, it makes me ever so thankful for people like Janet and Jeff Crouch and, oh, and yeah. Melinda Soltis yeah. for putting up a fight that I don't know that I could have put up, mm-hmm. and. You you hope that someone does it, and you look at these people and you're like I can't believe what you went through, yeah, to accomplish this, yeah. because it it's not anyone would be able to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know Nancy shared with us that the Beach Creek HOA has done a 180. Um, they encourage people now to plant native plant gardens. Um, and there's a new president that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, is promoting some of these things, uh, and they're planting native trees around the community and converting public lawns to meadows. But that's the current president, and the, you, there's always a disclaimer that that board can always change yep. and ideologies yep. can shift again. So um, you have yep. to hope that, that progress keeps marching in that direction, but it can always stop and go in another direction. They were saying that um, a house near – Uh, Janet and Jeff's property just sold for a record amount, Mm -hmm. uh, which just shows the value of of what it can do. It's not a detriment. It can actually be Mm -hmm. uh, an extreme value, and it's it's just – we're seeing a snapshot in time of something that took years and years and years and a toll of someone's – it just – that permeates into everything you do. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah, you can't sure. get away with it it's a battle that you're fighting that just doesn't go away yeah and it's it's commendable on so many different levels mm-hmm. and it's just i appreciate nancy just reminding us and bringing us to attention oh, for sure. that it's for sure it's more than just that end result yeah you yeah, know definitely. there were so many things that that you could weave a movie about that you can't even tell all the twists and turns yeah. in the story yeah um but i appreciate Nancy reaching out to us, having that conversation mm-hmm. with us, and opening a dialogue where we can we can have Nancy on the podcast and talk about her, yeah, Janet definitely, and Jessica. I, definitely. I think Nancy was saying she's mediating um, a panel discussion that mm-hmm. includes Janet and Melinda, yeah. uh, which I would love to hear more about that. She also provides a lot of fantastic articles and resources. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what? I'll put these in the show notes. I'll share some of these articles with our listeners if you, if you want to know more or if you're – if you're in the middle of this struggle or battle too, it's not something that, hey, Janet and Jeff won, it's all over.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. You got it in your own communities now.
0: Yeah. It's um it, it's really just the, the beginning. Yeah. So um we'll share some of these these articles uh, that Nancy has written. And Nancy did a, it's not just from this experience. She's a journalist. She mm-hmm. did research. Yeah. She did all Tom and I sat down and had a conversation. She she did background checking and research and all these things to be able to put together words that were accurate depictions Mm -hmm. of of what was going on. So uh, we'll share that. And it's – Nancy, thank you so much for for listening and reaching out to us about these topics. And I'm the first one to admit that, that, hey, sometimes we're wrong. And I I don't want to say that – we we were just I think looking at it from you mentioned your standpoint I I think for me I was being naive mm-hmm. and we're the first ones to admit that that we make mistakes and it's a learning experience yeah. not just for us we hope it's a learning experience we wear our mistakes on our podcast yeah. <laughs> in public yeah, so exactly. so I I just I, I'm thankful for for being able we we spoke earlier about being able to have these conversations. Like I was thankful that we were able Mm -hmm. to have that conversation. Definitely. um, I have a take it or leave it for you. Yeah. And maybe it's actually good timing because originally this was going to air before the pawpaw and now it's happening after the pawpaw. Mm -hmm. And we talked about, you know, the importance of hybridizing pawpaws to be able to make it a sustainable crop Mm -hmm. so that you have ones that fruit earlier, fruit later, uh, have a, a, a better shelf life. Adam was just so knowledgeable and passionate on it, and I started thinking about it after the conversation. You know, because he was concerned that some people would be really opposed to hybrid, hybridizing this. Is it really any different than what we do with blueberry? Uh,
1: no. <laughs> All right. No, it's the you know, same. If, if you if it's... you're
0: going to a a blueberry farm, you're not yeah. getting just straight. Vaccinium cornubosum. You're yeah. getting multiple varieties.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um. Yeah. And there's there's, well, I'll rephrase what you said. You aren't okay. getting. You're probably not getting multiple varieties when you go to oh, do yeah. blueberry picking. Like, you're getting one var- variety, variety that was ready at that time. Yes. With yes. the Sorry. blueberry farmers have done. Actually, Rutgers did a lot of this for the blueberry farmers. Is they developed varieties that some fruit earlier like end of May or, or June uh, or early June and then all the way through September yeah so you'll have different varieties and they'll they'll all bloom a little earlier a little later based on and then they'll fruit a little earlier a little later they'll have different genetics for berry size for berry color for berry flavor um, and then some of those have become favorites like blue crop like Duke like uh, I'm trying to remember Elizabeth's another yeah. really popular one so when you go to blueberry pick, you're getting whatever variety is ready at that that time. But, uh, and that's kind of what Adam is trying to do for pawpaws. Yeah. Is you have a native plant, you're tweaking it through breeding uh, to create varieties that are, have more mass appeal, have extended the season, extend the shelf life. Uh, He mentioned color was a big thing because people went, they, in their market research, they found, if it's this color, people buy it x more yeah. many times or x more often. So that's and it's. I kind of mentioned in that pawpaw podcast. It's not limited to pawpaws and yeah. blueberries. This is everything yeah. you eat. Yeah. It's uh, it's corn, soybeans, <laughs> it's strawberries, <laughs> strawberries. Yeah. strawberries. Yeah. Everything you see in the grocery bananas, if you look mm-hmm. at the historical versions of those foods, apples is a big one. If you look at the historical versions of those foods, they look nothing like what you're seeing today. Yeah. At least with like a pawpaw and blueberry, they look the same.
0: Yeah. Um even Adam was saying yeah. strawberries look different. Oh yeah. 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 You know.
1: Yeah.
0: Um well size at least. Size wise, yeah. But have we ever run across anyone in our travels that was con blueberry? Like against blueberry at ag- Agricultural blueberry. I farmer? imagine
1: there's got to be somebody, but there's no, I be. haven't met yeah. met anyone who's who's like anti blueberry. I farmer. mean,
0: you can you can buy straight species blueberry. I have mm-hmm. straight species yeah. blueberry in my yard. We've never gotten to really eat any of them because the birds, yeah, you know, get then that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't really put them in for for us. Although yeah. it would be nice to eat one one of these days. But I was just curious. Like, I know I think Adam had a real concern about
1: people looking at it and being. Yeah,
0: really he might have it. had
1: that concern because I brought up that concern because as he's talking, I'm like when we're talking about breeding and all this stuff. And so much of what we're talking about with native plants is yeah. the opposite of that. Yeah. Where we're saying you don't need the breeding programs, um, which is uh, I've I've softened my stance on a lot of that yeah. stuff over the years. But uh, depending on what the use is for and it's yeah, if it's for consumption, that's if it's for restoration. Yeah, you don't yeah. need you don't want varieties and, yeah. and cultivars and all that. It's. That there's no benefit from a re, uh, restoration standpoint. Now that being said, there have been breeding programs for other species where they do try and yeah uh, get better genetics for restoration purposes. Whether it's uh, quicker colonization or it's going to be a, a plant that stands more upright or falls down more, yeah. just so that it has it performs the. Uh, the goal that they're looking for, even, but there's very little. If you happening look at
0: there. chestnut without the breeding work that they're doing yeah. right now and research, that's the difference between having chestnut and not yeah. having chestnut.
1: And that's even the next level where it's transgenic and they're yeah. inserting another plant's genes, yeah. um, which that m- makes it even more controversial. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's I I think it's the same thing. I think it's really cool what he's doing. That you I, could you can have a fruit that. Has many flaws in today's food system, and um, and if we face it, today's food system isn't going away. Yeah. Um, and but tweaking this fruit so it keeps so many of its great qualities, but may be able to to have that shelf life or or the packaging aspect where you're going to freeze it um, and give it mass market appeal. I think that's awesome, and and provide.
0: Ecosystem benefits yeah. to our area because it's yeah. native it, to that area. Is it better,
1: like, if you're a home, you have a little home orchard? Is it better that you plant a, a variety or a couple varieties of pawpaws, or is it better that you plant a couple varieties of pears that are going to cross with the, the, yeah. <laughs> the Bradfords yeah. that are out in your exactly. treeline? Hey. Like,
0: I don't yeah. know. You know, the one thing I'm thankful for with this podcast, as as we continue into it, I mean, we're coming up on four years in February. Mm-hmm. Is that I'm pretty much a have always been a black and white person. This podcast has introduced gray into my color scale because oh, yeah. you realize yeah. the more that you have these important conversations that it's not black and white, that there's so many factors that you're constantly weighing and looking at what's best in this situation, what's best in this situation. Not everything's a clear-cut answer. And I'm I'm happy that that we can have these conversations that maybe five years ago – imagine if we had had the paw-paw conversation four years ago. Would we have the same resolution as, oh, as far yeah, I as don't our know. thoughts? I, don't, I know.
1: don't
0: know. I don't know. Same with these take it or leave it. Like yeah. some of these, would we have answered the same way four years ago, five years ago?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know that we would have. Yeah. Some, yes, but all of them,
1: I'm not so sure, so – well, I think
0: that's. Yeah. I think that's all we have. That was pretty good. Yeah, there was good something
1: show. else. Oh, someone left the Instagram comment for us um, about the pawpaw episode, saying that they read something about.
0: Uh, I saw that pawpaws
1: yeah. and and becoming invasive in woodlands, um, that was put out by the national park. So I just I never I hadn't read anything yeah. about it. So I just did a quick Google search of like pawpaw national park. And I, I don't remember yeah. if I put invasive in there or not. And I did find some stuff yeah. from the National Park Service that was saying that, yeah, in some of these woodlands, the pawpaws were creeping into more upland areas. Yeah. But uh, but it wasn't necessarily that the pawpaw was invasive, is how I read it. It wasn't saying the pawpaws were yeah. invasive or getting aggressive and moving on their own. It was uh, deer pressure. Deer apparently, like, don't eat pawpaws. So they were eating all the spice bush and all this other stuff, and the pawpaws because there was no gotcha will spread, but because there's no competition are spreading it like a yeah. that's the same thing that happens with burning bush and yeah. barberry and all that kind of stuff where how they spread because the deer don't eat them, and yeah. and they're eating all the the native plants that would normally compete with them and and sometimes outcompete with them so it that was my comment back was like from what I've read. Uh, and it was a new topic for me. It's a deer issue. It's not necessarily that pawpaw is a, a bad plant, yeah, um, and, and, and like and can be aggressive,
0: like so. like anything else. As this becomes more popular, it's going to start being planted in areas that it's not native to, yeah, it, areas of the country is not native to, and oh, areas, areas of the of, of the world, and even areas of. Like it may be native in Maryland, but maybe it's going to start getting planted in areas that it wouldn't necessarily be found Mm -hmm. naturally. So – and that's going to change things over time too as one plant becomes more popular than another
1: plant. Yeah. That's actually something for uh, maybe – I don't know. Sometime in our next buzz that we're going to do next week. Let's put in what my brother had told us about his trip to Japan. Oh, okay. uh, With native plants over there. Yeah. So, well – I guess non-native plants over there. Yeah. So instead awesome. of talking about it now, let's yeah, let's we'll save do a, it. A, we've <laughs> actually
0: done just about ninety minutes yeah. already. So
1: so, all right. Well, Fran, you got anything else? No, I'm good. Okay, then I'm that's going to wrap us up for today. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants, Healthy Planet, presented by Pineland's Nursery. I'd like to give a big thank you to – oh, that's you, Fran. I'm oh, sorry. I'm going right ahead <laughs> That's <and> okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, RJ Comer, thank you for our Buzz intro theme music. Uh, make sure you stream or buy RJ's music wherever you consume music. And also thank you to Dave Bennett for our Native Plant anthem. You can follow us on Twitter at Pineland nursery facebook at pinelands nursery and j instagram at native plants underscore healthy planet and youtube at pinelands nursery don't forget about the question and comment line call us at 215-346-6189 i will repeat that 215-346-6189 ask a question or leave a comment we'll do our best to play it on a future episode of the buzz and don't forget about our Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. We talked about it a lot today with the great conversations. You can join and be a part of those conversations as well.
1: Yeah, so you can buy Native Plants Healthy Planet merch at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. There's a link right at the top. takes you to our store. Uh, we don't keep any of the profits from that. We send it to organizations we think are doing great boots-on-the-ground work yeah. with uh, with Native Plants. So uh, not our retirement plan for Fran and I. <laughs> no. Frank, you're a lot closer than that, and I would, I, Fran, I would man. tell you, it's not something I'd bank on being able to <laughs> <No>. retire <laughs> no. anytime soon. If you're planning on, no, some, it's not helping uh, me get there a couple of years earlier. No. But, um, so, and another big thing you can do for us is uh, is subscribe to our show wherever you're listening right now, whether that's Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, wherever that is. Um, and if you can, if it's possible on your platform, leave us five star review. That goes a, a big way in uh in getting us in front of more ears or into more ears so um uh both of those things are are very very helpful you do a little write-up with that five-star view i give you a shout out on our buzz episodes and your kind
0: words are really
1: helpful to our egos they are they're helpful (laughs) (laughs) to our egos they're really helpful in um in uh like preventing burnout i guess is one way i yeah i agree it's it's we love doing this, but there is a time investment. And uh, I I think without some of that, if we were like speaking in a blank space yeah. and not knowing how this is being received, it's uh, I don't know it that would we be would very easy to, to yeah. say, hey, you know what? Maybe we hang hang up the headphones and retire from this game a while ago. But, I,
0: I agree. So, Actually, one of our coworkers uh, right before I mentioned that we we're recording a podcast today, and they're like, I don't know how you can just like, turn yourself on and, and yeah. get up for that. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you do it because you don't seem like you're in the mood <laughs> today. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. hey, you just, I don't know. You get in front of the microphone. Like there's many times that we've ha- kind of had the conversation beforehand that one or the other one of us isn't as up for it. Yeah. And then you get into it and you're like, oh, I thought you weren't feeling it today. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, you were fine. And it's just once we start doing it and we start talking mm-hmm. about these things, we get excited. yeah yep
1: so yeah so with that wait uh, no
0: we get to pick a winner now right
1: oh yeah yeah yeah. Get to that's a gonna be i almost secret. forgot i Yay. almost forgot too i almost forgot all right so we're Let giving away my my volume so everyone can hear the clicking all right we're,
0: uh, we're giving away one more book
1: all right ready to spin and go all right we have a winner who the is winner it winner is registration failed Oh that's a more question recent mark? one. Yeah. That's a more
0: recent one. I
1: was really excited cuz uh it had Red Astaire was the one before <laughs> that and I love that that name. Um but yeah, registration failed question mark. Uh you can This is someone that's just commented prize. in the last 6 yeah. months
0: or put a review up in the last yeah. 6 months. So you have until ooh. All
1: right. It's we- episode 183 now. We'll do until episode 180 six Six. 186
0: you have until episode 186 to. i'm i'm writing that down in my notes so i don't forget registration failed all right you have a couple weeks we're not in the time warp anymore so you literally you you literally have three weeks to uh to get back to us and claim your your copy of soil by camille dungy
1: yeah looking forward to it so with that Uh, Thank you, everyone. I'm Tom.
0: And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Coming up next week, we have another buzz. So make sure you tune in. And until then, keep it native.
1: Woods, wetlands, and dales Grows a bounty of beauty that never fails Our native plants, so diverse and so rare Treasures of our land beyond compare From the friends below, soaring oaks above Each plant has a
0: place each family's love Monarch caterpillars, monks, milk, weeds so tall Bees buzzed about,
1: sipping lectins all Oh native plants, how do you grace this land In your diversity, we will take a
0: to preserve our Terence is a call And even in importance is second to none To protect and preserve our Earth To restore the need plant food That you just can't ignore Golden bot, asters, and flowers galore Menard is so stunning, can't help but adore Their colors, their fragrance, a boost for the eyes Their value too wild, like no need to disguise NADE IS PLAN! How you grace this land In your We will take a stand. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast Presented by Pinelands Nursery Remember to like, share, follow and comment